0: This is Kirk. And this is Jen. And welcome to the podcast today, friends. We're so glad to have you with us. Today, we're talking about something that has been brought forth out of our own conversations. Um, We talk about having morning coffee because that's that's our date. We do that almost every single day.
1: Yeah, and the things we talk about, all of this stuff flows from that. So when you're listening to this, you're hearing kind of a replay or or we're rethinking the stuff that we talked about over coffee. Yeah,
0: and I um, am starting today because the whole conversation we're going to have this morning is brought out of my own um, questions. I I grew up as a, what I would say, definitely as a student of the Bible. I have very early memories of, of reading through the Bible, and um, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that opportunity to really be a student of the Bible throughout my entire life. But as Kirk and I have talked, he kind of challenged me. And he he said, I want you to start, as I was maybe growing, thinking, feeling challenged in my own faith of what it meant to be in a deeper relationship with God, I found myself looking at the scripture and feeling sometimes kind of like, what is the lens? How am I supposed to be looking at this? And you have challenged me. You've challenged me to say, how about quit looking at the Bible through a lens of sin, a a lens of failure, even a lens of theology. And what have you told me to do, Kirk Walden?
1: Oh, well, it's funny because you talk about your background, but my background is I didn't even pick up a Bible till I was 17 years old.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's entirely different to me. But I, I challenged you and me also, let's look at it through a lens of love. Let's start with the idea that God loves us and then read everything into that and I think it's changed a lot of stuff for us, mm-hmm. including the topic we're going to talk about today.
0: Right, and and in telling you guys my approach from this concept we're going to discuss today is I looked at just the use of the word Emmanuel as something theological. Now to put this in perspective, because we won't assume everybody out there is a student of the Bible. Fair. Uh, Can you set up the context for us? And just knowing that this context Kirk's going to set up for us was for me something growing up that was very deep theology. That's the way I viewed this whole idea was something very theological and deep, kind of this mystery to be understood about God.
1: And I'm going to turn it into a movie (laughs) in a minute. but, (laughs) but, but, But yeah, Emmanuel... Matthew is the one, the only person in the New Testament who uses this term Matthew, the tax collector. And in the first chapter of Matthew, in verse 23, he says, Behold, he's using an Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah. And he says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means. Translated means God with us, or God is with us, with us is God. There's just so many of those translations, and there we can get into the theology, and we can spend all day, but that's not why we're here today. So here's this one person, the one time, and what got me is at Christmas time we use this a lot. I mean, Emmanuel, it pops up in our churches a lot. Amy we...
0: Grant, I love you, lady, yeah. and I love that song, Emmanuel. Um, yeah, that's what you think about.
1: So we get excited because this is the time when we look at positive stuff about God. A lot of times during the year, we're talking about, especially in, in certain churches, it's the sin nature and the sin this and sin that. And, and we don't do that all the time. But with this one word, we shift the narrative. And here's my thought. We really need to focus on this narrative more. Mm-hmm. We need to look at this, dive in and say, okay, Emmanuel, God is with us. What does that mean? Because Isaiah says it back in chapter 7, verse 14, and then chapter 8, verse 8 of Isaiah, two times in the Old Testament. And when you look at the literal translation from the Hebrew, it means God is with us. And I think, okay, what does that mean? Go ahead.
0: And, and you know, in our conversations, I was sitting there listening to you, and I was just in, I don't know, in tears. Because what I, I realized, the deep, deep meaning here was not some theological mystery. It was love. And I hope that we can communicate this today in a way that you go away feeling so encouraged and revolutionized in your faith and what it meant for God to love the world so much that he gave us a begotten son, what did that look like for him? What does that tell us about him and his heart?
1: Yeah, because when we look at Emmanuel, uh, we think in terms sometimes of presence, God with us. Okay, I want us to think a little bit differently, a little revolutionarily here. And let's look at it in terms of God being for us. Mm -hmm. He said with Jesus, guys, I am on your side. Mm -hmm. You've seen me so much as the enemy And we've got there in this culture with Pharisees who are saying, you've got all these rules you've got to keep. And if you miss one of them, you're in sin. Mm -hmm. And then we have all these rites and traditions. And I I spell out the word rites, R-I-T-E-S. We've got these rites and traditions that we have to go through in order to absolve ourselves of these horrible things that we did. We walked too much on Sunday or, or on the Sabbath, Saturday. Sorry about that. We did these things wrong, and we this is this is terrible, and we are terrible people. And I think God is trying to say with Emmanuel, I am with you. And I mentioned the movie. One of my movies that I, I really laugh at is Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. I think it's a 1995 movie called <laughs> My Blue Heaven. Steve Martin is a mobster who turns state's evidence and has to go into witness protection. And he runs across this IRS agent, Rick Moranis, who can't figure him out because Steve Martin is doing all these things that look really bad. And we'll see at the end of the movie, it was all really good. But anyway, so Rick Moranis is trying to figure this guy out. And here they are at a nightclub bar or something like that. And and Steve Martin, this Italian mobster, looks at him and says, I am with you. (laughs) I am with you. When I say I'm with you, I don't mean... Like, I hear you. I mean, I am with you. And I think, I know my theology, theology, my my (laughs) theological prowess goes out the window here. But I'm saying, I believe Emmanuel means God is putting his arm around me, as Steve Martin did to Rick Moranis, and saying, I am with you. Mm. Stop looking at me as the enemy. Mm -hmm. Stop looking at me as the person who is above you, Looking to see which sin you're going to commit next so that I can judge you, tell you you need to repent and all these things. In fact, we'll do another one on repentance one day. It isn't what I think it is, but I am with you. I'm trying to tell you no matter where you are, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what your past looks like, that arm is around us saying, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's totally different than how even I viewed God at
0: times. Well, you know, you talked about recently, and I loved this, the Word became flesh. Well, a way to look at that maybe through a different lens, and you help me see this, is, okay, what does that look like, actually? What that, we can turn it into theology, but what about just this basic idea? God said, yeah, I've spoken through my prophets. I've, you've heard my Word. I've given my commands. Now, indeed, I'm going to show you in action, I'm going to speak to the, na- to the nations. I'm going to speak throughout time to people and say, this is who I am. This is what I love. That is just mind-blowing and beautiful to me.
1: Yeah, and, and again, one of our biggest problems in Christianity today, I feel like, and I'm not trying to pick on us or anything, but we theologize stuff because you're pointing out John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was God, all those things. Yes, absolutely. But what if that word was God saying, you want to know what I really think? You want to know what I want to say to you unfiltered through a prophet? Mm. I'm going to send you my boy. And my boy is going to come down there and he is going to speak to you, but he's going to do it just like you said, not just with words. He's going to tell you what I think in words, and it's going to be different than you could have ever imagined. Mm. And then he's going to do it through deed. And I look at it and I go, wait a minute, what does that really look like in real life? It means when Jesus came, who did he reach out to? The overlooked people. Mm. Matthew wrote Emmanuel. God is with us. Matthew did. Matthew's the tax collector. Matthew is the one who the Romans saw as a as a stooge they could use, mm-hmm. who who was of Jewish lineage, the who G- would
0: be willing to you know um, sell out his own yeah, people. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So the Romans saw him as a as a usable stooge, for lack of a better word. The Jews saw him as a traitor. So this is a guy without a country, without a home. He's got nothing. And Jesus comes up to him and says, follow me. And, and Matthew gets up and leaves. He he moves on. He's done with being tax collector. And he's the one who writes, God is with us. Because Jesus, mm, yeah. Jesus, who was God's very word, who's, who's telling people, hey, you want to know what I want to say to you? Jesus, my boy, he'll tell you. And Jesus says, come on, follow me. You get to be a part of this. You get a seat at the table. You get to write an entire narrative of my life. That's mm. how important you are. You overlooked the guy. You want to know what God wants to say to us? He takes a a, a rowdy fisherman like Peter mm-hmm. and he says, you know what? You don't know all the theology that all the Pharisees do. But I'm going to make you one of the leaders in my new kingdom. You guy who's a brawler, probably. He's a rough fisherman. I mean, he's got he's one of those people that we would say he's got he's got some edges that need to be smoothed out a little bit. <laughs> and yet Jesus says, I'll take him. I don't mm-hmm. know what everybody else thinks because teeter, teeter, teeter. Peter didn't get to speak in the... Well, you know, you get just us when you get this. But Peter didn't stand up in the synagogue on Saturday morning and preach. Mm -hmm. Peter sometimes may have been out on the water on the Sabbath trying to make a living. And Peter gets a role in the kingdom. So what I think Emmanuel means is I am with you. You overlooked. You people who aren't the refined, who aren't the perfect, you get a place here. And he's also saying to the hurting. I mean, what did he say to the leper? God is trying to say to the leper, "I am with you," and that's why Jesus touched the lepers. Mm-hmm. If you look at sometimes that's
0: God's heart. Yeah, you know that is God's heart for these very disenfranchised people. Wow. Yeah,
1: and and we are disenfranchised in our different ways. Yeah, you know, and and I look at this and I go there, Emmanuel. Okay. Is God saying, "I'm with you"? Here's my son to show you exactly what I want to say to you and what life looks like in my kingdom. And
0: I think about Peter with Jesus and here's this conquering kind of raw spirit of a person and he he doesn't say, ah, oh, look, you know, I'm so done with that. Instead he says, hey, I want to take that conquering spirit in you and I want you to do some work for me. I want you to fish for men. Let's go do this. Yeah. You know.
1: And it's manly stuff because Peter was out there. I love that you said that because you think about a fisherman. He's out there saying, you know what? I can fish. Mm-hmm. I can feed my family by the skin of my, by, by the sweat of my brow, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm supposed to say. I can feed my family and I can haul these jokers and I can get this stuff done. And, and Jesus says, yeah, ma'am, I can work with a guy like that. Mm-hmm. I can, I can shift it to another realm, and he can still use that that zealousness. He can use that brawny power in yeah. ways, and he can be a guy's guy and go out there and fish for men.
0: Yeah, because I love the thing that I think I've been realizing over the last season of my life is that God designed us uniquely and beautifully. And he didn't take Peter and turn him into, you know, Peter's nickname is Rock. You're a rock man. That You know, it's not like you're a cuddly bear now, Peter, and you're just so soft and gentle. No, Peter's a rock, and he was always a rock. He was always rough. And I think that God is so attracted. He'll take those rough things in us and and use them for good. He doesn't just change us into something completely different.
1: Right. He uses it for his glory. Like you say, he's not trying to smooth us out and make us cuddly. He's saying, I'll use what I already have put in you. And I think about even the theologians. You look at a Nicodemus Mm -hmm. who was an honest thinker. And we think, oh boy, Jesus hated those Pharisees, Sadducees, all the E's he was mad about. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the thing that he was mad about, and this is what God wants to say to us, if there's something that ticks God off, Mm -hmm. it is when we put shackles on different people and say, God is not with you.
0: Oh, it's wow. the
1: opposite of Emmanuel. Wow. It's, God is not with <laughs> you. God is opposed to you. You need to do all these things to get in God's good graces. And we think about the Jews, and they did it then. But, you know, I do it today to people if I'm not careful. Right. I can put little shackles. Well, you're not doing this as much as you should. You're not doing that. And, and is this a good witness? Is that... I get it that we need to live good lives. We can talk about that another time, and we definitely do. Paul talks about everything in terms of love, but here we go. Jesus was opposed to those who had put extra shackles on people. But for those who were open, the theologians like Nicodemus, Joseph, a member of the council, ended up placing Jesus' body in his own tomb. This was a high-minded Jew who had an open heart. Says, you know what, your theology, all the things you've learned, I'll use those things too. He did it with Saul, who became Paul. So
0: yeah.
1: anybody gets a place here. God is with you if you're just open.
0: Well, it's this is an example that what what the religious tradition of Jesus's day was doing to people. It was constantly putting a roadblock, constantly putting something in the way between a loving, amazing father and his children. Oh, well, you can get to to God if you do this, if you wear this, if you eat this, if you act in this way, then you can get to your father. And I think what Jesus does is he comes and he blows up those roadblocks. And he said, oh no, not my dad. Everybody can run to his arms. The, those blocks? No, I'm going to blow them up to smithereens. And yeah. I'm going to let you run to this God who loves you and made you. And I'm, I'm an example of how much he loves you.
1: Exactly. And God is with us. It's funny because what you're pointing out is, or ironic. I always say funny when I mean to say ironic. Here's Here we go. It's ironic that the Pharisees and Sadducees had set up a world where the road to God led through them. We will tell you Mm. what the rules are to get to God. And this was totally different than what God intended in the Mm -hmm. beginning with all of this stuff. And so they had created this highway only leads through them. And Jesus, of course, will say later, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But again, getting back to the main point, God is with you. You don't have to go through all these people to get there.
0: And I don't think we appreciate just how revolutionary all of this was. Oh yeah, I mean, this was crazy town. And you you think why were those they so angry at Jesus? They were angry at him for the very reason you just mentioned. No, I'm the way. You want remission of sins? You you don't go to them. That you're going to go through me. I am the way to freedom. I am the hope of the world. I'm the path to the God of this universe. I am. And that is insanely revolutionary and beautiful.
1: And you are going back a couple of verses from Matthew one twenty three, where we hear the name Emmanuel. A couple of verses earlier, what are you going to name this guy? You will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Mm. The way to get to God is going to be, just as you just said, through Jesus. They already point this out. Matthew points this out before he even gets to Emmanuel. And I think about the sins, and I hope I don't mess this up too much, but I think about the sins, and I'm thinking, what did the Jewish person see as a sin? Oops. I, I had to do some stuff on the Sabbath that I probably shouldn't have done. We're not talking about the biggies that we talk about today. I think a lot of these were little violations of the law, more than 600 different laws. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. And it was impossible to keep up with that. And so there was this burden they lived with all the time. Please free me from this all the time. Every week I've got something else I've got to atone for. And every year I've got to do this particular thing and kill this animal and you know i didn't have an animal that time and so i kind of cheated and i didn't use my best lamb and and all these little things that they had done they felt this incredible burden and i think jesus was god's way of saying guess what i'm going to free you from all i'm going to absolve you i'm going to set all of that stuff aside that you have to do and it's just going to be you and him he will lead you to me And this isn't, I'm not going to make it hard anymore Mm -hmm. because these men have messed it up. These religious leaders have messed it up so much. Wasn't it what I intended? I'm going to blow up the whole system through Jesus. And it's going to be that name is going to free you from this burden of feeling sins all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. And, And I think if I'm thinking about all of our friends out there and I always I was thinking about what's the application what's the lesson for us now you know because I think we've painted a really cool picture of of what that meant to that generation what that meant to so many men and women to say god is for me he is not against me he does not want me living these chains and burdens and and for the for the broken diseased person or the woman who was uh you know Disgraced and hidden in our culture, God sees you. He loves you, and for th- that was amazing. But how does that apply today? Like, what's what are we supposed to get out of this, as the church today, to revolutionize who we are, to greater affect our culture? How, what does it look like, Kirk Walden?
1: Oh, you give me the tough questions. Why yes. can't why, why can't we just <laughs> stop where we were? But I really think to the Christian, I know many people listening to this would say, I'm a Christian. I think it's to us that we need to focus a little bit more on the God is with us. He is for us type thing, because I do believe we live our lives trying to avoid doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. I mean, we shouldn't go out trying to do something wrong. But I think we need to focus on, you know, he's with me. And I'm human. I am going to make mistakes, but he's not expecting me to, to, when I do something, I go, golly, you know, I shouldn't have said that to that person. I don't know why I was thinking that. I don't know why I just wasn't the person I needed to be. One, hey, let's make it right with them. That's what mm-hmm. Jesus did. But we need to stop beating ourselves up for days on end because he goes, you know, I know you're human.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I knew that from the beginning when I made you. I am with you. Mm -hmm. I'm not here trying to make a list and check it twice and tell you, you need to get right about this. You need, I hear this (laughs) thing from time to time, you know, well, God convicted me about this. Well, I guess we can use that word, but there's something in me that says, do we really need to use the word convicted or is he trying to invite me to a new way of thinking
0: Mm, Love it. and
1: saying, Hey, you know what, what I did wasn't right. And I need to make it right with that person. But I don't need to consistently beat myself up over this. I need to know he's for me. He knows I'm going to mess up from time to time. And he's for me anyway.
0: Well, I think, what was he pointing us to? Because I, I just feel challenged myself. I have spent a lot of, of time thinking uh, about sin, focused on sin. I want to avoid sin. I want to feel shame for my sin and all of these things. But when I do that, I, I want to challenge us, challenge myself sure. first and foremost. What does that accomplish for the purpose of God Almighty? How does that focus me on him and the gift that he wanted me to focus on and that he was bringing to my life?
1: Yeah, it, it- If we get focused on what we stay focused on, what we did wrong, hey, let's make it right, let's move on. But that's the point. Let's move on. Because if we go back to, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm just this idea that we see in Christianity today I'm a worm and not a man. First, we're taking that totally out of context, that Old Testament verse. If we could move away from that, And toward the fact, you know, God is for me. He's not for me because I'm perfect or if I'm perfect or to make even he's not for me. He'll make me perfect one day. I get that. But he's for me right now, right here on this earth. If we don't get off of that, I'm terrible stuff. What we what it does, it shifts our mind. We look at others and we're trying to find their faults, too. Well, you know what? If they would just do this. Boy, I t- you know why they have financial problems? Because they made some bad. You know why don't we look at it and say God is for them? How can I help them? How can I be how can I be on their side? Jesus was on their side. He was trying to tell me God is for them. Why can't I do the same?
0: Yeah, and what is the message we have today of hope for the world? Uh, honestly, I I mean, I hear this a lot and so but you know, you're a sinner and if you were the only one, Jesus still would have died for you and all this. Okay. True. Okay. I believe that. But there's there's a distraction there that Jesus didn't have to tell people they were broken and they were sinners. He didn't really have to do that. They knew. They yes. came to him broken. He didn't have to tell the people that he ran across he what the what their
1: That He didn't have to name their sins for them. Let me me throw one out there. Zacchaeus, another tax collector like Matthew. Zacchaeus, when Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house and we're going to have have lunch or dinner, whatever it was. Zacchaeus was the one who said, I'm going to repay fourfold everybody I took extra money from. Mm -hmm. Jesus never said, Zacchaeus, you need to really look at your sin. Zacchaeus already knew that stuff. The people that Jesus had to point out their sin to were those who claimed they didn't have any. Mm. because they were the leaders. They were the ones putting burdens on people. And Jesus said, that is the sin. Mm -hmm. And I think as Christians, in our zealousness to do right before God, which is a good desire, I absolutely believe in it. But sometimes when we focus on the sin, we tend to be looking at other people and where they have sin. And then we tell a person who is yet to come to faith, well, the first thing you need to do is acknowledge you are a sinner before God. Okay, let's have that conversation really briefly, Jen. Did Saul of Tarsus, the chief of all sinners, did he have that conversation with Jesus before he came to faith? No. When Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, he just said, who are you, uh, Lord? And Jesus said, I'm, I'm the one who you're persecuting. And in the next thing Jesus says, but get up and go, mm-hmm. go. He didn't say, stop, acknowledge your sin, Let's talk about all the things you've done wrong. He basically said, I've got a plan for you. Mm-hmm. Wow. What if our message to the hurting world out there who's saying, you know, this Christianity thing isn't for me. What if our answer to them is God is for you mm-hmm. and he is he has sent a son to come and say, hey, follow me and I'll lead you to God. And you can do this anytime, mm-hmm. anytime the invitation's wide open. Come on. Join me in following. What if that was our message instead of the sin hurdle we have to get over? The Sadducees, the Pharisees, they had this sin hurdle that everybody had to get over. And Jesus said, look, God is telling you through me, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Follow me. I've got a different life for you. It's going to be amazing. So we're looking at three groups right now. We're looking at the people who are Christians listening to this podcast and saying, you know what? He's with you. He's not necessarily sitting up in heaven trying to point out your next sin. Mm -hmm. And for us who are Christians, kind of a second subgroup of this, he's saying, if you dwell on sin too much, on this terrible things you've done, you're going to begin to see others in that light. That's not good. Mm -hmm. Your fellow Christians and folks who are yet to follow. But there's this third group that he's talking to. Those who are yet to follow Jesus. And he's saying, I am with you. There's not a list of things that you have to do in order to start following, except start following. This isn't hard. This isn't about knowing the right theology. It's not about even, as we just pointed out, it's not even about this idea of saying, I need to acknowledge all my sins before God. If that's how it works for you, fine. But he's not demanding this. Mm -hmm. He's saying, just start following. I am with you.
0: And the I am with you is equipping you with strength, equipping you with wisdom, understanding of how to live a life that is free and full of all the things he wants for you. One of the things I told our boys recently is, what do you think God wants for you? What do he want for your life? And, And without really thinking about it, they started mentioning the fruit of the Spirit.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: He wants me to be happy. He wants me to do good things. He wants love, joy, all these things. Here's the catch. When we get too focused on what's wrong, what's wrong about us, what's wrong about the world, and we don't focus on what's good, lovely, true, we are missing the mark. We're missing the focus. The more we focus on that, honestly, that is the key to our, our whatever sin problems we have. When we focus on the fruit, when we focus on the hope, when we focus on Jesus Christ, that is the, the real key to winning this game of life that we're, we're running.
1: Yeah, and, and for those of us who are thinking, well, I, I really need to talk about avoiding sin. Okay, we'll have that conversation very briefly. You want to avoid sin, you go out and encourage other people you seek to have a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's what you shoot for. Shoot for that. Don't don't the bad stuff, you can avoid it by focusing on the good stuff and reminding ourselves God is with us. I think Emmanuel just doesn't get the play that it deserves.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's just beautiful to me. And this idea that he, he wanted to be with people in community with people. He wanted to give us these tools. He wanted to give us this help, but I do believe that he had us in Jesus to, to get rid of all the roadblocks and all the things that, that distracted us from him and his love and his provision and his help for us. And, and when he says, I'm with you, I mean, he means that I am with you. I'm going to send my son, and in him you're going to find strength and help. You're going to find a teacher who who always did it right, who always came to me, and he did my will, and he obeyed my commands. You you follow him. He's going to show you how to do that.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's not complicated. It's not theological. It's not any of those things. When we hear the word Emmanuel, what we're hearing, and we've said it a number of times, but if we can get one point out of today, is that Emmanuel means, I think we need to look at it this way. God is with us. God is for us. So whatever our situation, wherever we've been, wherever we are, even if you're not yet following, Mm -hmm. you know, if "Eh, I don't know about this Jesus thing, if I could give you one message, God is us. For you. He is with you. Whatever the situation, he's inviting you into that saying, I'm on your side.
0: Yeah. And the enemy wants to distract. And uh, here's another piece to all of this. The enemy wants to distract us and tell us, oh, God isn't really for you. He's not really for you. You are such a sinner. Look at how bad you are. And we, we want to like go through that path and that hurdle to say, oh no, but God really is for you. See, he just wants you to, you know, do this with your sin and, he, and then distraction. Focus on that sin. Focus on that sin. Whereas what we're saying is, oh no, don't get distracted by sin. Don't let the enemy of God take away your focus. No, his arms are open wide. Run to them. Every time you're struggling, every time you don't know what the next step is, every time you feel like, man, I failed again, run to his arms. Jesus showed us that we get to do that.
1: If we could wake up every morning, this is one of the foundational principles of the faith revolution. If we could wake up every morning and say to ourselves, I know no matter what my circumstances are at this moment, no matter what I face today, God is with me. If we can do that, yeah. we're living a life of faith, a revolutionary life of faith. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of I think a lot of us sometimes fall into and I do too, fall into that category is I'm not sure God's really with me because yeah. either something I've done or something in my circumstances, somehow, some way, I'm going to believe God is with me. Yeah. We do that. We do our Emmanuel thing each day. We're in good shape.
0: Yeah, and I think as people seeking to live a life of faith, we can so get attacked in this area of not believing God is really for us because we have had challenging situations or tragedy and all these things. And I think that's a whole nother podcast. But I think we have, I, I love when I see somebody it's so exciting to me to see somebody who has every reason to think, oh, God punish me. Look, this happened to me. I lost this person. I lost this in my life. Yet they find that core and they find that strength to say, I do not understand, but I know that God is for me. That's faith.
1: It is. It is. So as we close today, it's Emmanuel time as we record this podcast. But it's something we need to remember all year long. God is with us. Matthew wanted to point it out. One of those people who others would look at and say, hey, he's outside of the faith because of his job as a tax collector. And yet Matthew, more than Mark, Luke, or John, wanted to point out God is with
0: us. And I think our challenge for us, I'm looking you in the eyes right now, Kirk Walden, and for everyone else out there, how can we share that message with the world right now? That's Jesus was that whole that was the whole point of Jesus. I'm with you. So what can we share with our community, with the people in our path that lets them know God is with us. God is for us.
1: And I, the answer is going to be different for every one of us, but one very simple answer we can close with is this. Maybe there's somebody in our lives right now, someone in our lives who we need to tell, you know, I know it's tough right now, but God is for you. I promise. I can't see it either, but I know he is. He's on your Mm. side. Thanks for joining us today. We've had a blast with this and I hope, hope you've gained as well as we look at the faith revolution and the word Emmanuel. God is with us. Thanks for joining the podcast today. And I want you to know I'm always interested in hearing from you. Just go to my website at kirkwalden.com and drop me a line there. I'd be glad to connect. By the way, check out the show notes for a transcript, references, and a few products inspired by today's show. The Faith Revolution is edited by JDW Productions and hosted by Captivate. Today's music is Positive Ideas by Sound Design.